0: Hi, everybody. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. I got my co-host here, Reverend Doug Meyer. Hey, guys. And we're going to talk about anger Mm. today. We're going to unlearn anger, which is a fun topic for both of us because I know that Doug is often the recipient of anger, and I am often (laughs) the provider of anger. (laughs)
1: But we're good.
2: <laughs>
0: but le- but let me give you all a heads up of how this podcast works. Yep. Uh, so we go through a U version reading plan together and then we talk through it. And so when you hear things like day one, day two, day three, we're referring to the U version plan. Today, our plan is calming anger. And there is a link to that uh, reading What's plan. Oh, well, that's a good question, I guess. Yeah. Since we talk about it every month, I'm just like, oh, y'all know Uversion. So well, version is an app that you can download in your app store that is a... Bible app basically and it not only has the Bible and every translation of the Bible but it has a whole bunch of reading plans and resources and so we go into those reading plans we pull one out we do it together and then we have a conversation about it for y'all to participate in
2: there you go um,
0: and so again today's reading plan is calming anger and there is a link to it in this episode description so if you already did the reading plan and you're nodding along with us great if you didn't do it you this one's an easy one and an interesting one. You could open it up right now and follow along with us as we talk through it. And even
1: if they didn't do any of that, they can still listen and go, amen, I get it, or whatever.
0: Or I'm angry with y'all for having this conversation.
1: Are we going to be able to say on this the phrase pissed off?
0: Well, I guess so. You just did it. All right. I just
1: wanted to double (laughs)
2: check.
0: (laughs) All right. Anger. All right. How do you, before we get into the reading plan, I want to know How do you live anger? Is it For you, is it like outbursts of anger? Is it passive aggression? Are you trying to like stuff it down and like you don't feel comfortable feeling angry and then it just like randomly comes out? Like, does it come out to friends? Does it come out to loved ones in the privacy of your home? Like, what does anger look like for you?
1: Oh, this is going to be so much fun because I think I am a jacked up mess with anger. So, uh, okay, just a little tiny backstory. So at our house growing up, which is where the seeds of dysfunctional anger were planted for me, Uh, only one person could be angry, and that was our dad. And when he did, I would say he probably was a borderline rager. Mm. I mean, never hurt anybody, but he would maybe, like, throw things and get really mad, scary mad. And uh, there was never any afterwards cleanup, you know? It was just a big kaboom, and everybody, you know... And it was over stupid stuff, like... uh, whoever spilled their milk at the dinner table, it would just be like.
0: And everybody just freezes and waits for it to be over. I don't
1: know if I'll still have my little sister. Because
0: whoever's the first to speak up is going to get all of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then my mom would kind of come and try to tend it and make it all better and everything would kind of settle back down, but everybody would sit there for the rest of the night really quiet and scared. So um, I um, struggle with anger. I struggle with how to feel it. I'm better now. For a long time, I would bottle it in, and then it would explode out at um, my first wife, Susan, or our kids, and I was uh, probably a, a hollerer. I don't know if I scream, but I would holler and, you know, stop my foot and that kind of stupid stuff. Or I would uh, simmer and resent. And um, then probably simmer, resent, act out passively, aggressively, and— uh, And I don't know when I would, I I think (laughs) the funny thing about passive aggressive people is like, there's not a timeline. Like, so I'm trying to remember like an event and I think it was just, um, how long did I feel like I had the right to torture you with my passive aggressive behavior till, you know, one or the other got better. Mm -hmm. Uh, it took me a long time to learn how to, uh, apologize. And then I went through this stage where I would get angry and I would kind of fake apologizing, really setting it up so that you should apologize that you did something that made me angry. Hmm. Isn't that healthy? hmm Yeah. And, okay, now I'm a little better, but I'll, we'll get to this in a minute. But I definitely, it, I have a very physical sense of, of anger, whether it's my anger towards someone or something or theirs towards me. And uh, I have to go really quickly into my head into some of my current mindfulness stuff
2: mm-hmm. to deal with it. Yeah.
1: How about you?
0: Oh man, I'm I pop off. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually think so. Anger has always been a very comfortable space for me. We talk about the enneagram all the time. I'm an eight on the enneagram. I'm in the anger triad, um, and eights express their anger mm-hmm. constantly. When I was a teenager. I was a teenager, so (laughs) I was yelling, I was stomping my foot, I (laughs) was doing, like, I was talking back, um, I never really did, like, the simmering, trying to stuff it down. Mm-hmm. It, I would get, like, I cannot tell you how many times my parents told me, like, check your attitude. You got to you gotta change that attitude, you know, because I would just come mm-hmm. at them with fire, with anything I disagreed with. Um, and as I grew and matured, I learned, hey, that's not really the way <laughs> to interact with people. It
1: doesn't seem to be getting a lot done.
0: No, but um, – But here's what I I do. It's not necessarily anger, but I'm very direct with how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. when it comes to anger, not when it comes to the soft feelings, Mm -hmm. but anger is a comfortable place for me. And so if someone upsets me, like if Mm -hmm. I'm in a relationship, uh, it is very easy for me in the moment to say, you're making me mad and this is why. Yeah. And, uh, so,
1: so if I'm in a relationship with you, I'm just not going to be your counselor. So I would give you a pass on that, mm. not a pass, but if are you equally as uh, uh, forthright with, hey, I really am feeling really strongly that I like you right now or love you or whatever word you use. I've
0: gotten better at that. Okay. I didn't used to be good at it, but I'm getting better at expressing the soft feelings soft, in okay. the moment, moment as well. Um And it it sounds, but I uh, am drawn to people who appreciate that directness. Mm -hmm. So I'm usually in relationships with pretty thick-skinned people, but I also want that directness from them. That's what's my
1: question. So do they, do you interpret that they're okay with that by the way they respond back? Mm-hmm. Or do they just listen and go, yeah, all right. I mean, does that tick you off? Like I if feel they- like
0: you'd have to ask my current partner. My current partner and my ex-husband would probably have very different answers to that question. <laughs>
1: all right. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can but, make that happen.
0: But, um, no, he he seems to really appreciate direct in the moment, like, hey, let's get it all out there. And I want that mm. from him, too. And part of the reason for that is because I'm not always great at reading social cues. Mm. Like, Passive aggressive doesn't register to me. Yeah. I'm just like, if someone says, Ugh, I guess that's fine, I'm like, they said it's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, let's move on, you know? So those well, things okay. You
1: yeah, kind of have a little sarcasm shoe. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I do. I really do. And I'm like, they said everything's okay. Those were their exact words, you know? And uh, so I need that too. But yeah, um, anger is not an issue for me. And now, you know. Teenager Alyssa was yelling and screaming, stomping the foot. Mm-hmm. Today, Alyssa is just like direct conversation, not necessarily yelling, but being like, hey, this is bothering me. Yeah. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah. So that it doesn't get to immediate, you know, yelling.
1: And don't you think so? We're talking a little bit in the context of relationships. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in here, and I think we'll get to it, but if we don't, we'll come back another day. There is righteous anger about, um, Injustice. Yeah. Uh, whether it is about the environment or about other people or issues, you know, I think that uh, how we live our anger in and out towards mm-hmm. that, that's a whole other thing.
0: Well, and that's where I had another question of like, okay, culturally, outside of our relationships, our safe spaces— I have learned not everybody appreciates directness. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody wants that from me, although I do want that from just about everyone else. So if you're listening and you got a problem with me, please talk to me about it, because I promise I will not guess.
2: I heard her. Bring it.
0: But um, yeah, I I think that anger has become a default emotion in our culture. Yeah. Uh, some of it is around injustice. Some of it are, is around um, this idea of deservedness and entitlement, and I'm not getting what I want. But
1: well, I think some of it is also around grief mm. and uh, sadness. You know, that was the other thing that I was going to say earlier is like, um, and I think I'm still dealing with this. Like, I sometimes get sad, mad, confused when I have to check myself about what I'm feeling. Mm. As a kid, it was okay to be sad. It wasn't okay to be mad. So I think I would, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I have what I, will just use the word mature. I, th- I don't think I have a fully developed understanding of no. the difference in those. So.
0: Well, and I think that the reason that, um, and tell me if you agree or disagree. I think that the reason that anger is so prevalent in our culture is because it is an acceptable negative emotion in America. of like anger is strong, anger is powerful, anger is like I'm going to grab life by the horns and y'all got to deal with me, I'm mad. you know. But the other negative feelings of like I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling insecure, I'm feeling – and we see it as weakness. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like all of these soft feelings, the soft negative feelings that make us like Hmm. feel a little scared and unsure of ourselves – at least for myself, I'll convert that into anger.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> because well, that's
0: the one that everyone's like, oh, look out for her. And I'm well, like, yeah, you better look out.
1: And it's marketable. Yes. Like think about like when there's rallies or protests. Have you ever seen like a really big sad protest? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But but you can generate. I'm in grief
0: and I don't know uh-huh. what to do. Here's my
1: sign. We're all going to go to the city plaza and cry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But... We can, set, we can get a big old group of people, whether it's at the Capitol or mm-hmm. at City Hall or in front of uh, the school board, whatever, and whip up anger. And I also think, well, gosh, man, there's so much to say about anger. Like I think anger sometimes is a substitute for our inability to communicate well. Mm. Like we have this limited uh, vocabulary of expressive feelings, but we're really, we, we can work up a really good uh, handful of angry words. Yeah. So we use those. When we're – what we're really trying to say is, hey, can we have an intellectual conversation about the injustice of water and – know,
0: not to go back into a 90s reference because it's 2021, people, but – or 2022. oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
0: 2022. All right. Uh, So – but it makes me think of like we're just a bunch of little George Costanzas (laughs) running around. Like we try to express our emotions for maybe five seconds and then we're just like "Ah, – frustrated.
1: <laughs> you know what? I bet half the people don't even know who George Costanza is.
0: Seinfeld. Look it up. Look it up. YouTube. So,
1: All right, let's jump in here. Yeah,
0: I want to jump straight into day one because okay. this is Me one too. of our longer devotions. It's seven days, but they're very short and easy to get through, so we're going to fly. Let's do it. Day one, why do I get so angry? Oh, man. So the writer of this reading plan said that we get angry when our hopes and dreams are threatened. And- He defined hopes and dreams in three categories, security, connection, and control. So when Mm -hmm. our security, which is physical, financial, emotional, is threatened, connection is relationships, feeling valued and accepted. When that's threatened, control, feeling empowered to make choices and have opinions. When any of those three things are threatened, threatened, that's when our anger emerges. And I sat there trying to poke holes in that interpretation of anger for longer than I should have. And I was like, dang, I think he got it. Like, I think he got me.
1: That makes good sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Okay. Security, connection, control. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously we're not saying that those are the be all end alls, Mm -hmm. but those are certainly whenever our security, um, well, I think he said this too. So we get angry when we fear that those are being compromised or taken away or threatened, Mm -hmm. right? So there's kind of an emotion sandwich there with anger and fear. And, um, you know, sometimes fear comes out, then as sad. But I think when it goes in the processor, Mm -hmm. its first switch it flips is probably anger. Yeah. And hey. I
0: and I want to switch out the words hopes and dreams. So he said, we get angry when our hopes and dreams are threatened. I think that's something that makes sense to me in everyday situation. We get angry when our expectations are threatened. Mm-hmm. And so that can be in big ways because hopes and dreams feel a lot bigger of like the 10-year plan, you know.
2: But global. also yeah.
0: my yeah. expectation is that I'm going to get to work today without getting stuck in a traffic jam. Yeah. And when that expectation is rocked, I get angry. And that's yeah. just a little thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. We, I think especially because of the business we're in, we use this hope word as like a big kind of, I don't know, not just soft word, but mm-hmm. it has such a grandiosity to it. Yeah. When a lot of people just say, man, I hope I have a good day. And it would be interchangeable with expectation.
0: So... Uh, He started talking about when you start feeling that threat, your brain energy shifts away from your prefrontal cortex, the problem-solving part of your brain. And as soon as I read that, this is within the first two, three paragraphs of this reading plan for the week. And I was like, I am in. Like, this guy is mixing science with spirituality. That's got Alyssa Robinson written all over it. I love it. He got me. He pulled me in. So I, I wanted to ask you, he was talking about, you know, when our energy shifts away from our prefrontal cortex, uh, all of our rational and reasonable sh- thoughts go out the window mm-hmm. and our body starts reacting. It, it's it's visceral. We can feel it. We can feel it in our fingers in our okay, yeah, and our chest and all these things. What do you feel in your body when oh. you start to get angry?
1: Oh, yeah. No, he's right on. So... Yeah. um. This is kind of timely in that I had an experience in the last 30 days where um, someone was angry at me and then I in turn got angry at them. And while I was listening to their anger at me, I felt like, I know I wasn't having a heart attack, but I really thought you could probably have seen my heart beating through my shirt. It -hmm. was that strong of a deal. And I got hot. Like I started sweating down the back of my back, Mm -hmm. the back of my back. It's always going to be the back of my back, in it? And, and around my, uh, just wh- where, are, you know, I'm a sweating guy. And um, in that moment, I had to kind of go, all right, check yourself. You're really, um, it was like um, a pot with a lid on it that was boiling. Mm-hmm. And I had to quickly kick into my, all right, you know, listen to the emotion, not the words. And uh, it was in front of other people. So, all of my, like, don't be a jerk, don't be an asshole, don't be any of that, and be careful how you're going to respond, because other church people are watching. Yeah. ah, But no, I, man, like, if it's with Wendy, or, you know, somebody who is a different than this kind of borderline person who I kind of know, I, uh, this is where I was talking earlier about, I get um, confused, and sometimes I'll go to sad. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I I struggle to hear it because I get way into my head and trying to figure out okay right now what are you supposed to be thinking what are you doing how are you going to respond back don't use mean words you know be appropriate and a lot of times then I miss all the stuff they're saying because I'm so up in my head trying to figure it all out
0: see and I'm the same way, except yours is healthier in that you're like gut checking yourself and you're like, okay, calm down. You can do this. Don't say this. Don't say that. And for me, it's like, I'm about to eat you alive. Like (laughs) I have all of these because I'm I'm an excellent communicator. It's Mm -hmm. what I do for a living. I love arguing. I'm anger driven. And so I'm just Thinking you're talking, and I'm like, you just wait. I, I am about stuff. to lay into you because <laughs> I am like an attorney when it comes to arguments. Of like, I I love it.
1: See, okay, okay but right. here's but I here's panic, another thing. I panic. Like if you're like, I I just suddenly become like, yeah, 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 and and. And you're ugly. I mean, I, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I just freeze. <laughs> no,
0: I get. Uh, so if someone is attacking me yeah. with something, I get scary calm, mm. and I just sit there with mm-hmm. shark eyes. Boom.
1: That's why I'm here, waiting in the for them. Right
0: yeah, waiting for them to finish what they have to say, and then <laughs> here's my cue word. You know, I'm about to lay it on you oh, tell me, when I go like this. Listen.
1: <laughs> but do you do the hand thing and everything?
0: Yeah, I go, listen. listen. And then I'm going to go into, up. yeah, everything that I have to say, very well thought out, like all of this stuff. Uh, and and that's, that's that word for me of like push play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's when someone's coming at me. If I'm angry with somebody, it's not necessarily something that I feel in my body. It, the anger comes out before I've realized it's happened. And Mm -hmm. so that's something I have to work on. I have to work on both of it. It's not good to be like the shark eyes, you know. I say it jokingly, but uh, also something I need to work on is being a better listener and just taking in what they have to say and not taking offense to it and not becoming indignant and anger and like, you know, just letting it happen, letting them have their feelings. Uh, But when I'm expressing anger, it comes out of my mouth like word vomit before I've felt anything. If someone's coming at me in anger, those thoughts start running through my head. And the feeling that I get is like putting on armor. Like I get puffed up. I get big. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you want to go? Yeah, We're going to go.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Um,
0: And that's kind of how I deal with it when someone approaches me. Uh, But yeah, I, I, it's, not a, it's not a body thing. When I get angry, it's kind of a part of my being. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, uh, yeah. How do you calm yourself down, though, when you get angry? Because you, talk, you have this self-talk thing that you do of like, okay, don't mm-hmm. say this, don't say that. So
1: a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I, um, and this takes practice. And I, um, so I try to maintain eye contact with the person. And this is probably way into the dysfunctional side of the two. But I'm still trying to maintain a connection. You're
0: talking Enneagram. Enneagram oh, yeah. two. Yeah. Enneagram
1: two. <laughs> I want everybody to like me. Yeah. And um, so I'm listening and I'm nodding. And I, the little voice right over here says, uh, listen to the emotion, not the words. Because especially... I get."
0: Oh, that's great. That's great advice. I
1: get hooked by, if you say accusatory words, then those are like my... Yeah, punch you back because then I'm like, you don't know, you don't have a right to say that word to me. Yeah, and so I have to be careful because a lot of people in anger, and I'm me too. We we just like you said earlier, word vomit, right? Mm -hmm. We use all our good words, and and so what I try to do is just listen to the emotion, and for a cue as to when that person is taking a breath, and then, and this is not Doug Meyer. This is I got this out of a book or something. I try to respond empathetically with uh, a simple word like right, mm-hmm. but not like condescending and right, like, hey, right, dumbass, but right, like, wow, you sound, really, you sound really disappointed in me or you sound really disappointed, you know, hurt by this situation. Mm. I get that. Yeah. And that will sometimes diffuse them. But if they're loaded for bear, it will take like four or five of those. Man, man, this is big. You know, I try to identify words that are like, You know, you seem really, really mad, hurt, sad, disappointed.
0: Yeah. See, that's so interesting that you connect into the feeling because one of the things that helps me to calm down is when someone, and this is something I've been working on as of late because I'm a little bit newer in my journey of this world than you are. Yeah um not to make an age joke no, but no i'm going to just let that go <laughs> uh, yeah um and so I, I think that something that has been really helpful for me and i think that it it showcases our different personalities is like okay you're going to tap into how they're feeling mm-hmm. i'm tapping into okay what is it that they're saying that they're actually right about mm. of like if they said i did something uh are they right about that like it did did I, and then I try and look back on like, okay, could I have misinterpreted this situation? Because for me, it really is like about uh, who is accurately representing what actually happened. And um, maybe it is just a different way of approaching the feelings of like, hey, maybe they interpreted this a little bit differently. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong about what happened.
1: Right. But I, while you were saying that, I realized something about myself. I do it in part because I can, I can more easily receive that than the barrage of words. Like something happens to my mental processor, mm. and I can't handle the volume of words coming in that mm. quickly. But I can handle like m- making broad generalizations about the emotion. Yeah. The downside of that is sometimes I've heard the emotion but not the details. (laughs) So sometimes you got to live through it twice because you'll say, now tell me again, you know, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how.
0: Well, and that was the next thing that I was going to say is something that I've done that helps me be a better listener, but can also diffuse the situation instead of responding with my rebuttal. I respond with a question Mm -hmm. about what they just said of like, okay, Can you explain to me, like, I heard you say this phrase. Will you tell me more about that? Like, and give them a chance. And then they feel validated of, okay, she really wants to understand where I'm coming from. And then from there, it can turn into a conversation rather than yelling at each other. Oh, yeah.
1: Especially if you do it in a manner where you identify uh, something kind of specific, because I think that what that does says to our brain is they're listening closely. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just listening to my word vomit. They heard the who, the how, the way, you know, something that then goes in our little processor and they go, Oh, okay. She really is paying attention. She's not just nodding condescendingly and, and that no. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, so yeah. the
0: scripture for today, for day one, and then I'm going to jump us into day two. Okay. The scripture for day one is just, I think, a good old standby for us. It's James 1.19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow mm-hmm. to oh, speak, speak, slow to anger your anger does not produce God's righteousness. And that's what we're trying to do with these like tips and tricks of like, okay, how do we how do we become quick to listen <laughs> as opposed to quick to anger?
2: So um, it's the
1: old quick, slow, slow, right? Yeah. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah. So if that if you had to develop some kind of little mantra, you know, just go quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. No, I, I think that's um of of the um The content in this big book?
0: Yeah. James, the entire book of James is just great life advice for any point in time. Well, it's a lot (laughs) of
1: undated practical relevance. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Day
0: two, calm the roaring lion of anger. So now we're stepping even deeper into calming behavior. Uh, So he goes into this story about how he was at a traffic light, you know, the light turned green, nobody in front of him was going, and he was laying on the horn and getting angry about it, and the person in front of him was giving him the finger, and, you know, all of that fun stuff that happens on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And then when he finally started going, he realized what was happening is that there was an elderly person in a wheelchair trying to get across the crosswalk. Mm -hmm. And people, everybody was stopped waiting for them to get past. and he said, "I felt so foolish. I felt so terrible. So I wanted to ask you, when has anger gotten the best of you to the point that you were embarrassed or ashamed of how you reacted after mm. you got all the facts?"
1: Yeah. So it happens to me. It's probably frequently. Yeah. But it it usually is around an assumption, like that story I make up about X, like uh, he or she. Did that to me on purpose, mm-hmm. and and so what starts as a, an assumption then becomes a whole short story in my head in which I'm the victim, and then as the victim, it opens the entitlement door for the the big emotion, right? When like in that in that guy's story, you know, he might have made up, you know, somebody's not paying attention, they're on their phone, and don't they know that I'm on in a hurry? And don't they know? Don't they? Mm-hmm versus, oh look, they're being a good person and being considerate to yeah. that person. Yeah. So if like Wendy, my wife, makes an assumption or I, I or she does something and I assume she did it out of ill will, uh, then I get all pissy mm-hmm. and I'll confront her on it. And when I frequently when I hear the words coming out of my mouth, like interwoven between the words, like every other word is, Well, you're a jerk. What, Mm -hmm. you know, why did you think that I would hope that that would happen to you? Mm. You know, you left, you left my car on empty on purpose.
2: Yeah.
1: Really? Is that, think about that. Say that, say that, practice that in your head before you say it out loud for a minute. But I, um, it's a weird kind of immature victim stance, I think. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's when I will just go off and, uh, you know, man, then, This is a little phrase my dad used to say, in, and uh, I don't really think that he meant it in order of about emotional messes, but he did it in life. He said, Hey, if you make a mess, it's on to you to clean it up. So I've just held on to that. Like, so like an emotional verbiage mess, mm-hmm. then I always feel this like, okay, I got to go in there and clean it up means own it, own my part, apologize, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Man, I have a big one that I'm going to open up about that's really do? hard for me to share because. It's one of my ugliest moments mm-hmm. um, it with in my marriage with my ex-husband. Um, and this came up. We went, towards the end of our marriage. We were doing couples counseling, and it came up in counseling, and I didn't even remember it happening. And so I denied it. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like something I would say. And he brought up how hurtful it was to him, and I just denied it. I was like, it didn't happen.
2: Oh, wow. And then
0: after – and I didn't lie. I honestly didn't remember it because it was so long ago and in a fit of anger. And sometimes when that word vomit comes out, you just say things that you don't mean. And you would never actually say if you were of sound mind, it's like what he said in day one, your reason just goes out the window. And, um, so we were having an argument. I was very unhappy with our sex life and we got into a huge fight about it. And at some point in the fight, I accused him of being gay. Mm. And for me, I am an LGBTQIA ally. I know that that's not how sexuality works. I know that, no, he is not, I was not married to a gay man. There was nothing. And yet in a moment of just anger and grasping at anything I could grab, wanting to hurt him Mm -hmm. in that argument, I said that. And then when I finally realized, and then I denied it in therapy, and then it was, it wasn't until after he had left me that I had that memory emerge because then I continued on my personal therapy journey with a new therapist and it was unlocking a lot of things for me. And I was kind of reconciling and, you know, I've talked about you with uh, with you in previous episodes about how at first I saw myself as a victim. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see all of the ways that I contributed the to the end of the marriage. And it was things like that, that suddenly flooded in. And I was so ashamed and embarrassed. And I even considered, and this was far past the time, like our divorce was being finalized. We hadn't spoken in months, you know, all of this stuff to the point that I wanted to reach out to him and apologize. Um, but at the end of the day, I decided you know, that was for my own healing journey. I think it would have done more damage for me to reach out to him and bring that up again with him um, because I know he really didn't want to hear from me. And so I think I desperately wanted to reach out to him to make myself feel better, but it wouldn't have made the situation better. And so I just had to own up and spiritually ask for forgiveness for that. And what other things do I not remember that I said in times of anger, um, and yeah, that, I still feel bad about that. Cause I'm like, that's not who I am. That's not what I believe. That's not how I speak to people. That's not my understanding of sexuality. Like on so many levels, yeah. I felt shame that those words came out of my mouth and it was just cause I was overcome by anger and it's just the, the roaring lion of you sure. just want to
1: well, when, spew. When, yeah. I mean, yeah, so thank you for sharing that, that, um, when I heard you saying that, it reminded me of, like, when uh, when we are so caught up in, in like, I call it desperation, anger. Mm. Like, uh, have you ever been, were you ever a little kid, like, uh, I have this memory of uh, being in a fight with somebody once on a playground, and I didn't have the words to hurt them, but I just picked up hands full of gravel and threw at them. Uh. So it was just like you were throwing at him out of this, like, yeah. Primal almost like.
2: To
0: the point I didn't even remember saying it because it wasn't me anymore. I had let the anger monster take over my mind. Yeah. And uh, that's not an excuse. That's Primal. just, yeah. man, it was,
2: it was well, hard. And
1: I don't know if we're going to un- unpack this in here, but I think it's a struggle then when we do that, then we have the recall. How is the, what's the right place to make an amends or mm. an apology? especially when, uh, you know, in AA it says, you know, uh, when I just went blank, uh, when it would cause more harm, Yeah. essentially. Yeah. And a lot of times people struggle with, like, how do you apologize to somebody who's not in your life anymore? Maybe they're dead or they're mm-hmm. cut off all lines of communication. Yeah. And I think it's hard. And I think, to your point, it, it makes it, uh, the apology take longer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you and I could do it face-to-face, kind of has some resolution, By a forgiveness expression or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we did have, without going into specifics, we did have a moment of closure when the divorce was finalized. I had to go to the house to sign some final paperwork where we, I just said, you know what? Like no hard feelings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And we didn't go into details of everything, but I was like, I really hope that, you know, you find happiness Mm -hmm. and, um, and we gave, we hugged, and that was it. I haven't seen him or heard from him since then. Um, wow. And so I just have to let that be enough. Yeah. Day three.
2: Day three, let's do it.
0: Using anger for good. This is what you were talking about yep. at the beginning of the justice conversation, the righteous anger. And I want to call out right away, uh, the story that we are always given for righteous anger is the story of Jesus flipping the tables in the synagogue Um, and yeah, we always use that as an example of like, Hey, even Jesus got angry Mm -hmm. and he, you know, and it was because they had turned God's house into a marketplace and blah, 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 blah. blah. And this is what righteous anger looks like. And I'm sitting here like, okay, really? That's what righteous anger looks like? Because that, if I'm, I'm, you know, asking the question, what else could could be be true? true. And... So what I wonder about is all right what was really happening in my understanding and and you fill in the blanks pastor man okay. um is that the problem was that the church was uh and the Pharisees or whoever was in charge were getting kickbacks from the people, you know, in the market. And they were saying, hey, come sell your wares here. Give me a little money and I'll, you know, take care of you, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm sitting here wondering, these merchants that Jesus is flipping their tables. This is their livelihood. And like, is it their fault that the church was corrupt and provided a space right. for them? Like how involved were they in the corruption and politics? And how many of them are just like people trying to make money to live and sure. the church offered them a space yeah. to do that? Yeah. And so I, I wonder about that of like, really, Jesus, like, do you know something I didn't know that every single merchant and the tables that you flipped were like corrupt and, you know, all... Because I'm just like, okay, maybe the thought behind it was righteous anger, but was the actions of actually flipping their tables righteous?
1: Or what if it actually was Jesus having a bad day? And over time, we're so uncomfortable with that that then we had to ascribe that. Oh, that's righteous anger, so that makes Mm -hmm. it okay. Um, You know, if um, those are the times where I I have a little bit of uh, Bible skepticism, because we man has always been able to and woman and woman
0: (laughs) and humanity and and non-binary
1: all of the above yes to control the narrative, right. Mm-hmm. So post-event, we can now go back and reshape the event. Yeah. So what we don't know is any of the real facts about the conversation, how many of the uh, merchants were on the take, how many of them knew, how many of them you know, didn't have a choice, but just like, if, you know, hey, I'm going to sell my sheep here for sacrifice. You know. mm. And the Pharisees said, well, if you're going to do business with us, here's how you have to do it. Yeah, You still have a hungry family at home, so you're gonna, of course you're going to do it. You're going to, I mean, that's just probably, it wasn't even like a thought thing. It was probably kind of like, well, it's just what you got to do. Yeah.
0: Survival. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: this, and you know, to do business over here at, you know, whatever, whatever temple. And, um, so what would, would it change the whole story if, uh, it was an expression, an expression on Jesus' part of just sheer frustration with nobody's getting this, nobody's understanding what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And, um. Well, why
0: couldn't have Jesus? The full
1: on humanity of Jesus.
0: Yeah. Why couldn't have Jesus done what he's so well known for and set up a soapbox in the middle of the temple and be like, hey, merchants, do you understand where your money is going? Do you understand the problem with this? And like, (laughs) teach is what he's so good at. As a like, was flipping tables what was required for the situation? And so in the devotion, Uh, the writer says, Jesus got angry. He stormed through the courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem, overturning tables. He was angry about how the religious leaders were abusing people, which, but the merchants weren't the religious leaders. They were the people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, that was righteous anger is what he says. That's the kind of anger that's forced to confront injustice and defend the oppressed. Uh, You've probably felt anger and injustice, seeing a child being emotionally or physically abused, observing someone taking advantage of the poor, and seeing these things makes you want to take action. So like Jesus, we should get angry when we see injustice. Uh, And when it's within our power to do something about it, we should act, and that is righteous anger. But I still struggle with it. I still struggle with it, because I'm like, I don't know all of the facts, and I don't want to... Um, because as far as I'm concerned that Jesus committed an act of violence, maybe not hurting a human being, but it was a violent action of upturning someone's livelihood. Now, am I of the mindset that, you know, it's kind of the the Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King Jr. argument of mm. who, who, which yeah, which pathway are you going to take? And I think that both are valid, both are needed. There are times when, you know, there's peaceful process and then there's like, hey, they're not listening. Time for an uprising, time for you know, to- time to make them listen. I mm-hmm. get it. What like, was it I,
1: uh, John Lewis said? Time to make it some good trouble.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I get like... I don't want to say violence is never the answer because that's very black and white thinking and the world is more complex and gray than that. But I just, having Jesus as that example, I don't know.
1: See, I, I get that. And I like right now hearing it, I, I feel kind of like, way to go, Jesus. I like that it was a full-on expression of Jesus' humanity.
0: Well, because we love that strong anger, like yeah, yeah Jesus is one of us, you know, <laughs> like. But Jesus, ooh, ooh, so ooh, ooh. Do, you, do
2: you think like Jesus went up to like that fist
1: bump thing? Like, yeah, the, like, it was, like do? ripped
0: his shirt and showed his muscles. They all did like these, they did high fives <laughs> all around
1: him, <and> fist bump. <laughs> so but it but was the, like a
0: WWE wrestling <laughs> match.
1: I don't think I probably, probably wouldn't. So, yeah, but then did Jesus? So. I want somebody to write a uh, Bible part two where then they go back and make this other assumption where afterwards Jesus went back to the merchants and went, man, I'm so sorry. Can I help y'all clean up your mess? Wonder how much revenue they lost for that day. And, you know, what little kid did they leave? You know, did the event scare and is over here crying now? And, um, you know, so we get, we get these uh, tableau moments where we look at it and we go, oh, yeah. yeah. But how often do we step back and go, Oh man, wonder how wonder how really that all you know.
0: Well, and we and we think that because all of us are just so uh, self, I don't know. Self righteous, I guess, yep. that we think that righteous hate anger happens a lot more often than it actually does. Like we feel righteous in our anger. And so we say, oh, well, I'm like Jesus. Like Jesus got angry too. But one of the things that I like that after he did that whole explanation of like Jesus fighting injustice and flipping the tables and that righteous anger, he says, righteous anger is real, but it's rare. And he said, I've manhandled a few tables in my time. The writer says this. <laughs> mm. But I can't say it was because I was standing up for the week. Hardly. It was usually because I had unmet expectations that were a threat to my security, connection, or control. And then assuming he was like, but I, th- like, I was flipping tables as if it was righteous anger. You know?
1: Well, and don't you wonder too, like I'd like to talk to this author because I wonder then in parentheses next to it, is there any sense of entitlement? Yeah. Because— You and I both know, and it's a whole other day, like there are people who we give passive permission to for angry outbursts like that, and then there are other people who do that, and we call the police, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, there are some qualifiers for righteous anger, and then there are people who end up on TV really angry about something, and they'll get called names like, Mm -hmm. you know, despicable or hoodlums or or whatever. So... um, man we're, we're
0: well but at the, but at the end of all that so i feel like we could do a whole episode on righteous anger mm-hmm. and fighting injustice and like using your anger for good but what he really challenges no so he throws out there hey yeah righteous anger exists but it's rare; it's mm-hmm. not happening as often as you think it is. Maybe you're not as righteous in your opinion as you think you are. And then he throws out a challenge for us to explore our emotions behind our anger. Yep. And so I wanted—I brought up something I wanted to show you, and I can include a link to it in the the episode description. Uh, are you familiar with the feelings yes, wheel? Yes. Okay. It. I. I it it's quick. super small. You'll have to pinch in on it. Yep. Um. So the feelings wheel is um used in psychology and sociology and therapy and counseling to help people better understand the underlying feelings behind the base level emotions. So like yep. the base level emotions and the feelings we are I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm surprised, I feel bad, you know, all of these things and then it spans out from there and and says okay, if you're angry what are you really feeling? Are you feeling let down, humiliated, bitter, mad, aggressive, frustrated? You feel distant? Are you feeling critical? And then when you answer that question, it, it spans out even more. Yeah. And it says, oh, you're feeling let down? Is it because you feel betrayed Is it because you feel resentful? And I've found this feelings wheel to be so helpful for me personally, because I am someone who lives in the angry place and I have to figure out, okay, what is this feeling of anger trying to disguise? What is it trying to cover of like, am I angry or am I feeling humiliated? And am, okay, if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling humiliated, is it because I feel disrespected? Mm -hmm. Do I feel ridiculed? Like, what is it that... And then I can take responsibility for my own feelings of someone said something that made me feel these things, and I don't have to spew anger all over them. But I just wanted to... Well, let me say
1: a quick word about that. Um, I think it's great both for understanding and for communicating. I'll give you an example. So... Six months ago, I did some premarital counseling with a couple, and he self-identified as having a really limited range of expressions of strong emotions. Mm -hmm. And so we introduced that, and it was fascinating when he was able to say, you know, like, for instance, let's just pick anger as an example. He said, I have all these other emotions, but I've always just kind of reduced them to this one core of anger. And I know that game. And his partner said... You know, I know that all these other feelings, you're not always angry. You're just stymied on how best to express them. And when we can't express them, but we go to anger, all that does is set up our partner to always just respond to having to figure it out. Or, well, it seems like you're angry about everything. Are you sure you're really angry about this? Mm -hmm. It helped her understand him better in things like disappointment and I'm letting you down or you've let me down. And those are harder feelings sometimes to express. Mm -hmm. And uh, we spent a whole day, not a day, a whole meeting just exploring that. And I'd love to go back to him now and say, how's that working out for you?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's another layer on top of this is not only do I not always recognize the underlying feelings behind my anger, but as I mentioned at the beginning, since I'm an eight on the Enneagram, the soft negative feelings, I convert into anger. And so when I look on the feelings wheel and I see under sad, someone feeling hurt, guilty, all of these things under sadness, I take hurt and I turn it into anger. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to take this. And so it's almost like I have to expand my feelings. So my feelings will the center is anger. And then <laughs> they ask, okay, are you really feeling sad? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <I'm> like, ah.
0: <laughs> so like my core feelings are angry, happy, And I just go angry, happy, angry, happy, angry, happy. And then I have been growing into expanding that to, okay, I'm not actually angry. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling disappointed. And then I took that soft feeling and turned it into anger.
1: Yeah. So, no, so how, how are people going to access that again?
0: I will include a link to the Feeling Circle in the episode description, and so you can click into it. But also, if you just Google Feeling Circle, you're going to find all sorts of stuff around that. I think
1: they're all—I don't know this. I think they're all more or less the same.
0: Yeah. Sometimes
1: I've seen some them in different, different colorations and all that, but I think— at the end of the day, they're all going to be close enough.
0: And it can't. might use different language, or some yeah. of them might have more than others, but I think the general idea rings true of like, okay, explore your feelings. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Um, day four. Yep. Know your triggers.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a really good one. That's um, so in recovery work, we talk a lot about that, the, uh, that word trigger. Trigger being an event or a thought or an experience that. Pokes a spot in you that then kind of, uh, I don't know why I keep using this imagery of a doorway, but it opens up just this whole other expression of what's Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got some anger triggers.
0: Well, and one of the things that he said in the day for devotion, this writer, he said, anger isn't a sin, it's a sign. Mm. And I loved that because so often, and I think that you kind of mentioned this in your upbringing like, anger is bad. It's sinful. It's not socially acceptable to be angry. You know, all of these things. And so, like, we feel bad and guilty about it. But what we should really do when looking at our anger is like, okay, this is a sign that something's not right. Mm -hmm. And where do I need to make adjustments? Or what is it that's grinding on me? You know, all of these things. Um, What are some of your triggers that push you into Mm. anger?
1: So... Interpersonally, they are, if, uh, and I knew you were going to ask this, so I scribbled down. It's interesting. They all start with A, accusations, assumptions, or abuse. Mm -hmm. So, um, accusation, like, if you accuse me of doing something, and I, uh, well, so, if it's super close and right, I'll probably get angry that you... uh, Caught me in that kind of unguarded vulnerability. Uh, if it's an accusation that's totally false, then I'll get really angry that you are—you know—I I don't think slander, but that's word comes to my mind—that you're making up crap about me. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I think that's the biggest is an assumption trigger. Like if you assume you you say you make a statement towards me that assumes that you know me better than I know you do. Mm. That that will that would just get me all up in your business because um, I guard that still pretty carefully, even though I, have, you know, I take great pride in being a Mr. Vulnerable and all that. There's still a whole guarded field of stuff that I don't want you to know about me. Mm-hmm. But so if you. Make- what are
0: those things? Oh, no, no. Just-
1: <laughs> That's for 2023. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's interesting because like that. I'm very conscious, even as we're thinking about this, of assumptions that uh, you, you make an assumption of, of my intentions.
2: Hmm.
1: You don't know me that well. You don't know what I was intending to do or say. And man, I just get all. Hmm. And then the last one is any, um, anything where I witness a person or a pet, an animal, anything being abused, I will really just come unhinged. Yeah. Like I. Uh, and I don't think I've really ever been abused. I had that sexual abuse experience, but it was sexual and not, uh, here I am, wow, trying to uh, give it permission. It was horrible. But
0: um, Yeah, I, I don't want you to gloss over that and say it wasn't abuse I know. when well, it I don't was. Know. It was. Okay, yeah.
1: so it was a different kind of abuse. But, like, if, uh, like, particularly children, people who I feel like have a—, a at that moment, they are in a sense of weakness or powerlessness. Mm. That's a better word. Uh, or animals. I um, This fire starts burning, and I just want to just do anything I can to rescue them mm. and to hurt the yeah. other person, which is kind of crazy thinking because the thing they're doing, I want to do back to them.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I haven't been exposed to uh, much abuse personally, but I imagine... <laughs> I would have a similar reaction. And and the reason is because my partner and I were watching The Morning Show on Apple TV recently, and there's a whole uh, part of that show around sexual abuse. So yeah. it, it's kind of exploring uh, what would— If you were on the inside of what happened with Matt Lauer when he was removed from the Today Show for sexually harassing and abusing coworkers, what would that look like? And there was a part – I got so uh, – I don't know, engaged with an episode that I was watching that um, the character Steve Carell plays – Reached out to a girl to touch her in a girl that he had sexually abused. And he reached out to like touch her arm. And my partner and I were sitting there watching on the couch. And for a moment, it's like I was there and I accidentally screamed at the TV, Don't touch her! <laughs> <laughs> I yelled wow. it. And it like came from, I, after it happened, I kind of snapped out of it. It had come from my stomach. Yeah. And Jacob turned to me and he goes, what just happened? And we had to pause it and talk about, he was like, where were you just now? Because you weren't sitting here with me when you yelled that at the mm-hmm. TV. And I was like, I don't, it transported me to a different place that I, I was there with her watching this happen. And I screamed,
1: yeah. wow. don't touch her.
0: And it was a shock to me, mm-hmm. and so I think that yeah, if I was a witness of someone being abused, and that was on a TV show, like yeah. if I was Imagine seeing it something like firsthand, blood real life, like, right there. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Ooh,
1: I make up that you'd like, just like Wonder Woman.
0: I don't know. You never know how you're going to react, but now I feel like I have a small idea, yeah, based on that experience. But um, well, so
1: just to say, what Jacob did, it scare him? Did he just like?
0: He, Ooh. he, I mean, he doesn't get scared, but oh. he was just like, let's talk about yeah, yeah. <laughs> what just happened because. Well, sure. There seems to be something going on inside you right now. And it's worth pausing this TV show <laughs> to explore. No, that's a really nice of you. You know, It so, would be interesting,
1: like, in the uh, appropriate setting of a therapist to go back and kind of go. Man, is there something back in, the, in yeah. my history that I've pushed way, way down that, yeah. that got opened up there?
0: Well, that's a different day. But yeah. so I, I have my list of triggers. Yeah, what are yours? And I, I'm going to say up front, I, as I was going through my triggers, and I don't know if it's the same for you, I feel like all of my anger triggers are based in my own insecurities. Mm. Um, so my first one is... Anyone who's condescending towards me, treating me uh, like I'm stupid, treating me like I'm too young to understand or that like I've experienced sexism of, you know, I'm pushed out because I'm a woman and you don't belong in this space and you can never understand. And, you know, things like that condescending behavior, it'll set me off right away and I will come at you. Um, another one that I put down that I jump straight into anger, anger is inauthenticity or passive aggressive behavior, which I feel like are two signs of one, the same coin of, you know, just don't be fake. If you have something to say, say it. If you're angry about something, just say it. Um, and, and I feel like passive aggressive is a version of inauthenticity, of you're not living into, and and that's probably just me seeing the world through my own biases <laughs> and lens of like, well, I'm direct, so everyone should be direct.
1: Yeah, just be real.
0: Yeah, but I just like um, scenarios, if I get any inkling that the person I'm in conversation with or working with or whatever is being fake, I ch- I check out, I hate it. And if I can, if I am in a situation where someone is being dishonest or i call it out right then of like that's not what you said that's not what you did i was there you know i have no patience for that and then um another trigger is for me uh self pity or people who are victim have a victim mindset of like no. everything's happening to me woe is me, poor me, poor me. yeah, yeah everyone's against me. I'm being persecuted when usually that's not true. I don't have patience for it and I don't have empathy for it. And I'm probably really unfair to people, but it it sparks my anger of like, get over it. Mm -hmm. We all have problems, get over it.
1: Isn't it funny how we get into that? And when you were saying that, I, I heard it myself, like I get to decide who I'm empathetic with. And then you have to earn my empathy. Yeah. Like, if you portray yourself in a way that I know you other than, then I, I don't know that I get angry. I get dismissive. I'm like, yeah, on, don't, don't Don't try that on me.
0: Or if you're a person who's just constantly the victim everywhere you go, if you confide in me about something, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, the I've seen you. The entire world can't hate yeah, you. Yeah, I've seen you act the same way when you didn't get the last cookie. So, <laughs> I mean, come on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and and so it it's dismissive is a good word uh it's not always anger it's dismissive but I think that that is anger and it's un- just another way to deal with it of like forget you
1: it's it is you're right it's yeah. kind of it's uh, it's in the anger family yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah day five
1: let's do it express it
0: express it one of the comparisons that he made, you know, I love a good metaphor. oh well-constructed metaphor. You know, what Wendy, metaphor. Calls me? Wendy
1: calls me Mr. Metaphor. Girl. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You,
0: d- you do a lot of metaphors. I do a lot of metaphors. I love a well-thought-out metaphor that the more you think about it, the more it Just rings true. Yeah. And I feel like he did that for me. So he talked about uh, the— inactive volcano and how an inactive volcano destroyed a city. And so he says, uh, okay, there's this volcano. It's 12,000 feet with the name agua, which means water in Spanish. Uh, The volcano has been dormant for hundreds of years, but it wiped out an entire city in the year 1541 after weeks of rain. So raining, raining, mm. raining, the entire crater of the dormant volcano filled up with water and turned into a giant lake and the volcano couldn't hold, hold it. it. And so the sides of the volcano collapsed and a giant river of mud and water washed down the side of the volcano, destroying the city. And then he said, an inactive volcano destroyed a city. And he said, that's a pretty good picture of what happens when we don't learn to express our anger. And we think of anger as like this volcano spewing lava, but it's just as dangerous when we're stuffing it down inside and there are other things building around it that will just release and destroy everything in its path, all because we're avoiding that anger and avoiding expressing our feelings. And I was like, ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. And
1: and, uh, so I got to figure out how like, yeah, I do that. I will collect anger, it, it, but see, I don't, I never erupt. Um, I resent. Mm-hmm. So I will. So
0: the rainwater is resentment for you.
1: Uh-huh. And it just keeps gathering yeah. and gathering and gathering. And I think what it, uh, I think what it does is I will, uh, because I have such a barrier of like eruptive anger, I will do other things like um, I will overeat. I will over drink. Mm-hmm. I will um, probably uh, be unusually sarcastic towards mm-hmm. people who uh, were not in the original, like I'll pick on Wendy, you know, like uh, uh, she kind of becomes the victim then of my collective of, inability to express the anger mm-hmm. when the anger is about a whole nother event or a person at church or a person at work or whatever, just generic person. Well, and
0: even with the overeating and over drinking and all of that, it builds because you start to feel bad about yourself and you start to feel insecure. You lose your you lose your confidence. And then that starts flowing out on other people of like, I feel bad about myself. I'm going to make you feel bad too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, it's a... I, uh... Domino run or something, right? Just one thing begets another mm-hmm. thing begets another thing, and then the, so for a while, I'm kind of like that uh, that poor little village at the end of, at the bottom of the mountain where all of the the crap just came tumbling down, uh-huh. and uh, I physically survive it, and then it takes me a while to step back and begin to kind of take all the crap apart, mm-hmm. and uh, you know if. One of my personal weaknesses is I, that's a cycle in the way I do life. And um, actually just here lately, I've been kind of uh, driving by emotionally the idea of getting, going back to counseling.
0: Mm. And I have I've to, been doing that too. I'm like on the verge once every couple of weeks of like, I need to text my therapist and set up well, an appointment. Well, so mine
1: moves. So I have to start a whole oh, a oof. new one. Exactly, that's rough. Yeah. yeah, 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 which I then go thats that gives me permission because it's rough to yeah. not do it, but um i don't I really um uh, if you can help me, world help me uh, <laughs> I need the tools to deal better with the gathering rainwater, mm.
2: yeah, yeah so.
0: The point of all of that is we got to express it, right? And so one way to combat the gathering rainwater is don't let it build up. Just yeah. like tell somebody, talk to somebody, well, get that's... it, get back into therapy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um,
1: and so, okay, I don't know if you do this with your partner, but so like I make up excuses to not uh, bring that home. I'm like, you know what? By the time we both get home at night, it's 6.30 or 7. We're tired. We have a little bit of dinner. We'll watch a little mindless TV Mm -hmm. and go to bed. I don't want to be like the garbage man. I don't want to go, oh, hey, let me dump all this stuff out. I say that even as those words are coming out of my mouth, I know that Wendy would say, I want you to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I dump it all out. You do? Yeah, I really do. Uh, Every day when or every day that we see each other. Mm -hmm. Well, no, because we talk on the phone too. So every day on my way home from work or when I get home from work, um, yeah, we each talk about our days and everything that went wrong and everything that went well and the things that we're worried about. And like, what's we have pretty good open line of communication, which is new and different for me from Mm. my past relationships. And it's very, very good. I think sometimes I overshare Uh, to the point that if I'm... One of the conversations that we had recently that I need to dial back on is my anxieties stick to him more than his anxieties stick to me. So I do... When he expresses an anxiety to me, I don't really take it on. I'm good about being like, oh man, that's really hard, but I don't carry it with me. And I don't know if it is the patriarchy and this idea of like uh, masculinity in our culture, but like he feels the need to fix things mm-hmm. for me. And so if I'm expressing, expressing an anxiety to him or something that's not going right, then suddenly, even if he knows he can't do anything about it, it's like an extra burden on his back of responsibility of like, oh my gosh, I need to help her with that when he doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so that's something that I'm kind of trying to be like, okay, is this is something that I really need to share with him. So I'm kind of doing the opposite of you of like word vomit every day when I get home mm-hmm. and now figuring out, okay, uh, is that helpful? Is that something that maybe, because I am of the, the mindset is your partner doesn't have to be the everything for you. It Agreed. might be, okay, he's the person I share these things with, but I go to you know my friend yeah. Lexi to talk about this stuff that he really uh, you know, if I'm having stress for me, it's pain. So like I've been having some mouth issues lately of like, I have wisdom teeth coming in and I'm in pain all the time Mm. and I'm trying to get into the dentist, but this has been going on for like three weeks and I'm grumpy all the time because my mouth hurts all the time. And when you have tooth pain, nothing's right. And um, it's bothering him so much one because He sees how unhappy I am. I probably don't treat him well Mm. all the time. Maybe not. And uh, two, I'm in pain and he can't fix it. And that's just like destroys him inside. And so he feels that he can't uh, be the partner he needs to be because he can't fix that for me. But I keep talking about it every day, how much my mouth hurts. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's not the person I need to talk to talk to you about how much my mouth uh, hurts right now. Yeah,
1: no. I mean I, I so I think that's really insightful because like if I were he, every time you bring it up, I would go to my uh I I hear her saying this hurts and I hear her saying, she's disappointed in me that I haven't been able to fix this. Why yeah. can't I fix this? I keep going back to my toolbox and short of pulling her tooth, I can't fix it, but uh, I'm really not rational about it right now because yeah. I really care about this person and I don't want him to hurt. Mm-hmm. So um, it would be interesting if you said to him, you know, honey, I really don't expect you to fix th- fix this. I appreciate how much you're, you know.
0: He knows that. Yeah. He knows that, but it's just so ingrained yeah. within him of like, oh, I get that. Fix it, yeah, fix it, yeah. Um, but that's Go a, get your tooth pulled. That's a whole nother thing. Um, one of the things back to. We don't need to talk about my teeth anymore. <laughs> Getting back to the devotion. Um, one of the things that he said, which I had never heard before, and I'm like, why hasn't anyone told me this? Because it's genius. Uh, he, so he's talking about expressing your anger, and that means... Going to the person you're angry with or the person who's angry with you and having a conversation with them about it, which like we're so afraid to do. But one of the things that he said is before you have that conversation, you need to decide to forgive before you confront the person. Do not walk into a confrontation saying, "Okay, depending on what they say or how they react, Mm -hmm. I might forgive them or if they apologize or whatever it is. Walk into the conversation with the mindset of I already forgive you, but I need to express to you. The problem that I'm having. And and it might take a long time to get to that point uh, because forgiveness does not flow easily for us sometimes. But that's the first time I've ever heard somebody express that. I thought it was amazing and compelling. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how much easier? Because then you're removing the expectations that you don't have control over. I can't control how they're going to react. I can't control their level of health and their maturity in facing conflict. I can't control anything that they're going to do, but I can decide before I even enter this conversation, no matter what, I forgive you. Let's have a conversation about it. And if it doesn't end well, that's okay, because I have control over my forgiveness. I thought it was cool. It seems so simple, but I had never heard it.
1: It is, but I think you got to be careful to not. Um, so I'll tell you a little story about that. I was in a situation once a couple of years ago where I uh, was hurt really, really badly on the front end, and uh, like there wasn't a whole lot of processing time before I was in a, a room alone with that person again, and I took that route. Like I, uh, I don't even know. I, I think. Maybe, I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was a God thing. I don't know. But I, uh, like, immediately played the forgiveness card. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll just be real honest with you. I later on resented that I didn't hold on to that longer because I don't think I was really... I think I wasn't really ready to forgive. It
2: was
0: fake forgiveness. It was.
1: It was like, like, oh, look how big I am. mm, I can forgive you. It's
0: got to be real. Yeah, you got to really mean it.
1: And so uh, I think you need to have thought that through and uh, be able to digest the consequences of forgiveness.
0: I don't know. Are you familiar with the XYZ approach to conflict?
1: Not before this.
0: Okay, so... I am the daughter of a therapist. Mm -hmm. So these are the kinds of things that we've talked about. And he hasn't always been a therapist, but he's always been a therapist, you know, my entire childhood. And so um, it's just a a methodology of how to express yourself when you do enter into those conversations. Um, So it's called the XYZ approach, and it's about taking ownership for your feelings. And so the idea is when you said or did X in situation y i felt z so when you said i missed a deadline in front of the entire worship team it made me feel small mm-hmm. and like i'm not doing a good job mm-hmm. or or whatever it is that i mean things like it, that's a little thing but there could be big things too of like when we met your boss and you didn't introduce me. It made me feel insignificant. Or when we went to a party and you, you know, went to talk to everybody and left me by myself, it made me feel lonely. Like, and so I think that it helps because what you're ending with is I felt this way because of these, this series of events. And it's a really great way to organize and step away from the anger feeling right. and go to that feeling circle and see, okay, how was I really feeling? And it helps you to think through the situation before you approach someone of like, okay, does this fit? In, can I fit this into the XYZ approach? Is this worth having a conversation about? Or is this something I just need to let go of?
1: Well, I make up that it, um, uh, it creates, a uh- a safe spot to have a conversation mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily feel accusatory and you saying, or the other person kind of doing a little finger wagging saying you made me feel bad.
0: right. Right. Um, you
1: know, a lot of times in, uh, some of our worlds where we are with partners and we do things I'll own that. I, um, I'm just absent-minded, and I didn't mean to leave my partner hanging over there by the bar with nobody to talk to. Mm -hmm. I just wandered off because, like, squirrel, there I go. Mm -hmm. So I need to have those moments of, uh, I don't know, kind of a a, a rational, reasonable, Mm non-screaming conversation that is kind of formulaic.
0: Yeah, like when you replied all to that email calling me out on, you know, this project, it made me feel betrayed. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? It's so helpful mm-hmm. to actually sit through. And even if you choose not to go to that person and express it, like, it helps me
1: well, I help you identify figure out my feelings. Kind of a little feeling will, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you just go to the, uh, it made me want to kill you. Yeah. Uh, not really.
0: You made me feel homicidal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Day six. Yep. Develop a plan. I just have one question with this one. How do you make a plan not to be angry? That's something that's just a foreign concept to me. How do you do it?
1: I don't. So one of the things that's kind of big in my little mental world right now is uh, purposeful living and mindfulness. Hmm. And so those are not a plan specifically not to get angry. It's more of a plan of how I'm going to try to live as consciously as I can. Hmm. So the other day I um, was talking to our Renew group and I said, the phrase that came to my mind is sometimes I get caught up in what I would just call sleepwalking life, where I just go through the motions, go through the motions, go through this acceptable range of, you know, yes and no's, do's and don'ts. And um, I don't really, uh, I don't show up fully present. Mm. And a lot of times it is an energy uh, maintenance program. especially if I'm coming out of a hard week or two with a lot of different things going on, I'll kick Mm -hmm. into sleepwalking mode because to be mindful and purposeful, uh, I mean, you really kind of have to be good night's rest, good diet. It
0: really is self care.
1: It's a very good self care. And it, because it, um, there's not a lot of room for clutter and a lot of room for like garbage in your head going Mm -hmm. on. And uh, so when I do that, then i am better able to do the other thing like we said earlier about ask what else could be true or this person is a beloved child of god or mm-hmm. otherwise um, you know it's just that my mental space is so maxed out and tired and hungover and whatever and sugar rushed or carb rushed or whatever that i will default to just lazy emotions
2: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes i think anger is one of a lazy emotion i don't have to think i can just roar
0: yeah, I can just respond, mm-hmm. react, move on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. That's all I had. Day seven. Yep. Okay. <laughs> because day six, I'm like, I've never developed a plan. I just need to hear from Pastor Doug how to do that. I well, think us good advice. That.
1: Everybody out in the world, try that and let's yeah. see how that works out. Okay. Um,
0: let love drive out fear. And this is based in the scripture, of 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfect love. So the very first sentence uh, in this reading uh, plan, day seven, is when you feel anger, you can be certain that there is fear behind it. And that is a new concept to me that I've been unraveling over the past two or three years of, okay, my anger, and it's, again, finding the feelings behind anger, but we are all driven by fear, even if we see ourselves as a fearless person, uh, because I, you know, the first 25 years of my life was like, nothing can touch me the same as everyone's first 25 years. Like I'm fearless. I'm brave. I'm courageous. Like nothing can hurt me, you know? And then a lot of things hurt me (laughs) between 25 and 33 and it exposed a lot of my fears. And so, uh, when you're feeling angry, there's fear that needs to be addressed. What are some of the deep fears that lead to your anger?
1: Well, how deep you want to go?
0: The deepest. The
1: deepest. <laughs> so. Um, and
0: I'm going to just take notes over here.
1: Write them
2: down.
1: <laughs> Send it to my new therapist. Uh, no, so I, you know, I'll say that we kind of get a chance to look at these questions ahead of time a little bit. So uh, I appreciate that. And without even having to think about it, I jotted down abandonment and rejection. And um, part of that is some just deep, deep stuff that goes way back to little Dougie Meyer. Uh, part of it is my uh, dysfunctional need to be liked and a uh, uh, people pleaser. Mm. And so when an angry situation uh, happens, uh, I th- I'm pretty confident I go to a place of anticipating or projecting to the ending of that that this will not end well because it will end with my being X abandoned Mm -hmm. or, uh, not good enough to be kept around, i.e. rejected. Yeah. Now I have to own, I I was never abandoned or rejected. So uh, it would be interesting to somehow go into some kind of deep therapeutic state to find out like what I interpreted as a moment of abandonment and rejection. Yeah. But, um, you know, even like just going back to the ending of my first marriage, that, uh, that is what it felt like mm-hmm. for me. It took me a while to actually appreciate the dysfunction of our marriage and the courage my ex-wife had mm-hmm. to say, I'm done. Uh, my very first feelings of anger went to fear, went to rejection, went to abandonment. Mm-hmm. It was very much kind of a... a You know, sometimes those feel kind of uh, victim role-esque, but sometimes in like really deep, squishy, emotional moments, it is uh, that it's a, um, I'm not good enough to have around.
0: I think that there's a lot of this feeling of imposter syndrome, of a fear that you're going to figure out I'm not all I'm cracked up to be. Uh, I'm not as good as you think I am. I'm not as strong as you think I am, uh, being found out. I think that there's a lot around that too. Um, yeah, it's, and I think that that's where, when we were, you know, back on day four talking about triggers, um, I feel like my top trigger of, like, someone being condescending comes from that insecurity of, like, oh, my gosh, they know I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they, know, they know that I don't—I'm not as good and not as, you know, all of these things that I say, and they know that I'm scared, they know I'm afraid, and they're taking advantage of it.
1: We—our fear is generated out of how, what we anticipate will be the end of this event,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not, you know— the sparring on the front. I don't no that's really, you know, that's no big deal. But it's the we forecast that w- you know, when the dust all settles, I'm going to have been rejected.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I've learned about myself is because of my fear of rejection and fear of betrayal, I keep people at a distance. Of like I've got a very tight inner circle. These are the people that I know will never leave me, never let me down. You are related to me by blood. You can't get rid of me. You know, like <laughs> that sort of thing. And then everyone else, I'm like, you know what? If you go away someday, I'll be fine with that because I never I let got, you in. Well, and you have yeah. this
1: other over here that you know is kind of, uh, you know, your protected area, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, it is, it's all protection. Um, and we use our anger as a defense mechanism to, Protect us from those fears that, for yeah. the most part, will never come to fruition. Yeah. Maybe, it, I mean, ours did, mm-hmm. you know, when at the end of our marriage, but you know what? We both survived it. Yep. And in the moment, it was really terrible. I was going to say, and it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. It was, it was bad. Horrible. It was really bad and terrible <laughs> and awful. And I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Uh, but I have grown and I love the person I am today. And I think part of it is because I went through that.
1: Yeah. Man, Um, this has been so helpful. This has
0: been so good. I'm telling you, this has been my favorite reading plan that we've done so far. I loved it from beginning to end. And, you know, I love to do this thing where I poke holes in things and I read something and I'm like, no, they didn't. They didn't think that through. They don't know the same God I know. He, he you know, didn't, He
1: didn't create that for you, did he? No.
0: And I wanted, I love poking holes and things. And so I was like, I want to go and, back
1: and uh, see what else this guy who wrote this has written.
0: Well, it's this reading plan is based on a book. And so I think they pulled it out. So it says it's a devotional based on the book, Love Slows Down. Hmm. And so maybe we should grab that book um, Love and slows down. Out. Isn't
1: that funny? Because if you just heard that title, you wouldn't think it had anything to do with anger.
0: Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. Maybe anger is just Up one, one chapter, chapter. All right. And let's... they turned it into a reading plan.
1: I'm gonna get the book.
0: Uh so
1: Hey, what are we gonna do next time?
0: Next month. This one is gonna be good. We all of them are good, but next this is month is gooder. gonna be really good. Uh Unlearned Prayer. Hmm. So we've been doing more feelings-based topics around like loss and jealousy and all of these things. Prayer is a practice. And so I'm really interested in it because, um, man, I've never really latched on to prayer. And I think that it is because of the way I was taught to pray of like, okay, everybody, you know, fold your hands, close your eyes, say these words. And it just felt like speaking into the void, you know, and yeah, like nobody yeah. ever talked back to me. Yeah. And some people tell stories of like, yeah, I've heard God speak to me. And I'm like, well, good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've always had this I, I wouldn't even call it a love-hate relationship with prayer. It's a hate relationship with prayer of, mm-hmm. like, it feels like a waste of time to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and so—and that's very, like, bad mm. Christian of me <laughs> to say, slap myself on the wrist. Uh, but the reading plan we're going to do is called uncomplicating prayer. And it's so uncomplicated that it's only a three-day, three-day devotion. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's about removing the barrier and simplifying the conversation between you and God. And I think, you know, I, I've i already read into day one a little bit, and I like that uh, what the writer starts with is she does some myth-busting around prayer of yeah, like cool. what prayer is what we've been taught prayer is supposed to be, but what it is actually. And and so I'm really excited to maybe get some like practical advice or restructure the way I think about prayer. So I'm ready. I'm ready to unlearn prayer. And so there's a link to the March devotion that we're going to be hitting up next month in the episode description if you want to join us. But again, it's three days. You could pull it up <laughs> the day before and...
1: An hour before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. be like, okay, I get it. I get what they're talking about. Yep. Um, Uh, But I I hope that you'll join us. What are your thoughts on prayer?
1: That um, okay. So I got a lot of thoughts because as pastors, we're supposed to like always have a prayer ready. Yeah. And uh,
0: you're the default person. We do it to you and staff all all the the time. time. Of like, all right, could you open this meeting in prayer, Pastor? Yep.
1: (laughs) And sometimes I get a little cranky. Like I'll just do real quick like prayers. Mm. And they're like, God,
0: please help us. Amen.
1: (laughs) Yeah or God, we're here to meet. Thanks. Thanks for showing up or what. Yeah. Yeah. And so of course there's like prayer police. There are prayer, like there are people who think pastors have like the magic words in prayers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to have a big hang up with that when I would go to the hospital because I felt like there, it was a a setup for an, uh, like I had some kind of magic responsibility to make your grandma get well. Yeah. And if I didn't pray it right, that it was all on me. How stupid is that? But, um, So I've gone through a journey with prayer and have prayed at times and haven't prayed at times and have yelled at God. And uh, I think this is going to be fun because I think a lot of us, especially people who have been hanging around church places for a long time, have inherited a whole big old grocery bag of like tricks of prayer and how to do it and how not to do it and when to do it. And, um, you know, I think we've just kind of garbaged it up mm-hmm. to be honest with you.
0: And the people who do these beautiful prayers but that they last 15 minutes and you're just like Oh, I can't. Let's do it. go. I, I,
1: I yeah, no. I and I am I'm, I'm the worst. I'm like yeah. a prayer judge. Like I'm like you don't need to tell God what like is like okay, can I just tell you this real quick? So one of my like triggers is when people in their prayer quote the Bible to God. <laughs>
0: We know that in Matthew it says this, and it's that's how it, <laughs> it goes. It reminds me of Legally Blonde, where <laughs> uh, Elle Woods is like this, you know, law student, right. and she's going to court for the first time, and she starts quoting the law to the judge. and The judge is like, You don't have to read the law to me, I know it, you that's,
1: know. <laughs> and I see, I, I make up that wherever God is, God here she goes, Seriously. Circus yeah. I I know the book of Romans. I know it's in there. You don't need I to tell I know what
0: it says. You don't need
1: to tell me what I said I would do.
0: Yeah, it's like showing off of like, oh, See, I so know scripture. Yeah, so that's what I yeah. That's, yeah, so I'm Okay, so we're going to combine so this is a nice, you know, we're angry about prayer. <laughs> so,
1: we're messed up. Join people.
0: us. I know. Join us next month. For the continued Unlearned Faith series, thank you so much for listening to the Life Absolutely. Plus God podcast. Hey, and do me a favor. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out about all yeah. of this great stuff we're doing, the fun conversations we're having. So, uh, yeah, help and us out And if you say something
1: really an- mean about us, we'll get angry, but we'll get over it.
0: Yeah, I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> well, All right,
1: everybody. <laughs> Have a great day.